Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back. We're live from Supex, the Startup Expo, with Joy Randalls, the founder and CEO of New Market Partners. Joy, thanks for doing the show again. I think it's your third time, maybe? Third, fourth time, something like that? Second or third time, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's fun. Yeah. So you've done a ton of stuff. So do you want to give us a bit of background on yourself and okay, maybe sure. some career highlights? Because you've career done highlights. like... All right. Um, so I've launched uh, 13 companies. Wow. I've uh, exited 11 of those. Wow. Um, actually, I guess I mean 14. We'll talk about that in a second. Okay, 14. sure. Um, I've exited 11, um, two IPOs. Wow. Um, nine good exits, two not so good exits. Sure. You basically you had those. every kind of possible scenario play out for you. <laughs> um, you know, some that resulted in lawsuits, those were good, right? Those kind of things. Um, all in, um, almost all of them in technology. So I've done some other things, although now I only do tech. Okay. Um, so I had some other stuff earlier in my career in the transportation space and um, went into business with a former brother-in-law as a restaurant. That will never happen again. I appreciate sure. those people who do it, but not for me. Sure. Um, I've raised uh, about $360 million of capital, wow. um, helped launch 89 other companies with wow. founders and helping them kind of scale and do those sort of things. Very and, cool. Um, I just recently launched the Prowess Group, like okay. literally, if you go to theprowessgroup.com, um, you'll find a form where you can enter in your name, your email, okay. and the problem that you're having. And it's designed specifically, our goal is to help female founders. Okay, very cool. Um, and so you don't have to be the CEO, but I, I would like a female founder on the team. Sure. Um, and helping them scale their business. Sure. So it'll be uh, very fun, and the actual organization will be launching in mid-August uh, no, of this year. Congrats on that. That's, that's really Thank great. You. So you were doing the women for women thing here earlier today. Yes. Why is it so important to help other women and people? Because to be fair, there was a lot of guys in the audience today. There, were? Too. there was a lot of women, but there's a lot of guys too. Because I think like the stuff you guys were talking about applies to anybody, really. It does. Well, it's interesting. I had, um, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the session today, uh, last year, the very best question I got asked was by a young male founder. Okay. And he came up to me and he goes, I really want to make sure we do this right. Sure. And it's important to me to make sure that women feel like they're included. And he goes, I just hired my 11th employee and she's the first female. Wow. And I said, you know, if you just do what you did today, you're good to go. Okay. And the whole thing was, it's like, just make sure that everybody's comfortable expressing their opinion. Right. Okay. We're, we're not going to change everything overnight. And sure. the reality is in the technology field, there are more men than there are women. Sure. Um, there are more men in venture capital than there are women. But in order to change that, I think a lot of it has to do not only with men, right? Okay. So we can't say, oh, men are oppressing everyone. Women have to ask for what they want. Um, okay. They have to have confidence in their ability, and they have to really be sharp. Do we sometimes have to be better than our male counterparts? Yes, I believe that's absolutely true. Sure. Um, but it's not because there's an intentional bias always by men. It's okay. an unintentional bias. Interesting. And even if you look at female funders, so if we look at venture capital yeah. and we look at women partners, women ask the same types of questions that men do. 
So there's a, there's a study that's come out, actually there's like three studies now, um, on asking promotion questions versus prevention questions. Okay, so give me some examples. So for instance, if I said, um, tell me how you're gonna make this a, a $100 million business. Okay. That's a promotional question, right? right? If I said, help me understand how you know, you're going to overcome these 10 obstacles in scaling your business, that's a prevention question. Okay, interesting. So we found though that not, it's not just men who are venture capitalists, women VCs ask the same questions of women and they don't oh, ask them of men. Okay. So assuming that it's one-sided is a bit incorrect. So we have to kind of change the whole thing. Sure. And a lot of that about it's about recognizing that there is an issue there. Sure. And making sure that we have some equality in kind of how we approach the situation. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So you are clearly have been doing this for a long time. Yes. What advice do you give people to actually just get them to go for it one day, and especially women? Because I think in a lot of cases, it's there's a million reasons you can make up in your head to like not do something. You're like, I have sure. young kids, I stay at home, I whatever. There's a million things to pick from. So how do you actually help people bridge that gap I mean, and go for it? I started I started selling door to door when I was like eight years old. Okay. Um, so my parents used to say I didn't know any strangers, and I kind of believe that. I'll go up to talk to anybody about anything. Sure. It doesn't really matter to me. I'm not sure that's typical of women. Um, and touting their prowess is also not particularly typical of women. Okay. Women have a tendency to be more collaborative than men, and men okay. have a tendency to be competitive. If sure. you look around, you'll find a lot of female CEOs or former athletes are very competitive in what they Interesting. did. Interesting. Okay. Um, I think that's because they're comfortable kind of putting themselves out there. But the reality is the worst thing that can happen is you fail. Yeah, um, but who cares, right? I, I, right. I started my first company at 18. I've certainly made plenty of mistakes. I've failed sure. plenty of times. Okay. Um, the one really horrible failure where I ended up literally having to testify against my former partner, um, I built a several companies before. It wasn't like this was my first right, rodeo. Right, right. Right, and this happened to me. So it can happen to anyone. Sure. But you know what? It, it does happen. And then you learn from that mistake. I know exactly what not to do to allow that to happen again. Sure. Moving forward. And you just pick up and you go on to the next thing. But if you don't try, then you'll always kind of second guess yourself and wonder if it could have ever really happened. And I think if you think big, you know, go for it. And if you really believe in it, there's a high likelihood other people will believe too. Interesting. But how, during those like dark failure times, how did you actually <laughs> pick yourself back up and go for it again because I think a lot of people don't, right? If they fail once, maybe it's their first time, they're just like, okay, I'm done. Yeah, it, it, being brutally honest, yeah. um, there was a time when there was a failure and I literally remember like, I'm, I don't cry very okay. much, often, okay. right? Um, it's just kind of not part of my DNA and never really has been. I was, you know, <laughs> laying in bed talking to my better half at night and I said, I just I burst into tears. I'm like, you know, what the fuck is wrong with me? Okay. Exactly. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, how did this go so inherently wrong that it ended up at this point? And he goes, right. do you hear yourself? And he goes, think about all the other things you've done. Like, you know, wh why can't you just go do it again? And I'm like, well, I can't go do it again. But I just understand. He's like, well, you know, you can have a pity party for a little while, but then you sure. got to go. And I think that's, to me, I kind of look at it like that. There's not going to be, there, there should be a postmortem. There should be sure. a part okay. of what you're doing there that says, okay, this happened. What could I have done to prevent it from happening? Was it a market issue? Was it me? Did I do the wrong thing? Right. You know, as a leader, was it a timing issue? Was it a product issue? 
But the reality is, you know, if you have, if you're an entrepreneur and you have one good idea, you have a bunch of good ideas. Sure. You didn't have just one. So just because one didn't work out, doesn't mean you can't go do the other one. And so I kind of look at it and go, okay, I keep, um, I keep books. So you know okay. the the composition books like give kids in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That cost like a buck a piece at the store. Sure. I have about fifteen of those on my desk. Okay. So they're labeled different things, okay. and they may be associated with different companies. And so if I have an idea, I'll write it in the book that's appropriate for it. So I always have a place to go back and refer to. And then when somebody will mention something to me that relates to one of those ideas, I'll go put a note in there and go okay, like, oh, okay, smart. is there actually, you know, is there a market for this? Does it make sense? And those okay. kind of things. And so to me, I think that, you know, kind of having that pull and trying to keep those ideas constantly flowing, that works for me. And I... I can't see myself going back to work in corporate America again. Sure. Um, I call it paying my penance when you sell your company and you do that for a period of time. And I'm okay with that. I just don't think that it's the best environment for me. Sure. So how often do you go back and reference those books? Um, or just kind of random? Sometimes it's random, but okay. I'll also like sometimes have a day, like a weekend day, and I'll just be like, oh, I'm just going to go look through there and see what's in there. Interesting. And if you're in between companies or like you had a failure, then I go back and look through all of them and go, okay, like, you know, because you may see something new, but then I'll go back and go like, maybe there's another idea that I had that was, you know, a, a better idea that kind of came out of that. Sure. So you, you just launched this new company. You're, you're helping female entrepreneurs. What exactly are you helping them with and through? So it's really about scaling. Okay. So the reality is like, there's plenty of tools out there if you want to understand how to validate an idea or, you know, on ideation, stuff like that. And we, we're going to actually put some of that content out there. Sure. But it's freely available, and so there's, you know, it's there. But it's really about people who kind of said, okay, I've got product market fit. I understand who my core customers are. Okay. But how do I scale? So is it operational expertise that I need? Is it who, how do I fill out my team and okay. be able to kind of step back a little bit and, you know, work on the business versus in the business? Because it's hard to make that transition from being the founder where you do everything. Yeah. To going like, okay, I've got to give a little bit of control. Sure. Which is not typical, you know. Almost every founder is a bit of a control freak. Sure, you have to be, I think. So, you know, it's kind of saying like, okay, I'm going to trust this person with this thing. And so kind of finding the right people to fit your culture, to fit your talent. Okay. What are the skills that I really need to look for? So you'll and, help them find those people. Yeah. Okay. And, like, and say, okay, let's identify what that person should look like and, and okay. where are they and those kind of things. And it's like, um, I don't want to be a headhunter, but if I know the right person, absolutely, I'll tell yeah. you. Like, hey. Well, but you've also done people. it a bunch of times. Right. So you're like... No, maybe don't look at that person. Or yes, that is a perfect person right. for you, based on like what you're looking and for. And understanding how are, do yeah. you create an option pool, you know, so that you sure. can allow equity. How do you do these kind of things? Right. When's the right time to bring someone on board versus outsourcing certain pieces of what you can do? What should you outsource? What should you not outsource? Putting um, systems in place to be able to scale and raising money. Sure. So you know that's the other side of it because ultimately, at the end of the day. We either want to hand that business off to someone else and go yeah. step out of it, or we want to exit that business. Right. And so there are things you really have to do in order to be ready for that. And, sure. you know, what kind of marketing needs to happen to allow you to scale? Which VC should you target? Um, right. How do you know that? Um, if you're going to go into an accelerator, which one should you consider? Because sure. there's a lot of things out there that you've seen, we've seen over time. Yeah. And I have some, uh, some other women who are like me who are helping with this endeavor as well. Okay. So I think we're, we've got a pretty good knowledge base to pull from. Sure. So are you putting any of your own money or VC money in? I'm putting all of my own money in. Okay. <laughs> no, awesome. Okay. No, that's, that's cool. That's awesome. Yes. So you've been in the security space for probably... Before it was called cybersecurity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... And you're still in it. Yes. And what 
what are you doing in it now? Because you're doing some pretty exciting stuff still in this space. Yeah, so New Market Partners has, so we have, kind of think of it as a holding company because it's okay. our fund and we also own other companies. So we have our cybersecurity practice in Apply right. G2. Yeah. Um, we have Envision Communications, which is a physical security company. But I recently joined the board of a company called The Undercroft that's okay. based in Ybor City, part of Tampa. Very cool. Um, it's unique. There's nothing else that I've seen anywhere in the world that's like this. And when I say that, it's because there's co-working spaces, there's all these other things. So the Undercroft has a physical space. Okay. Um, and there are companies from larger technology companies like Black Horse, who does a lot of work in the DoD space, sure. things like that, to smaller companies that work in the fraud and cybersecurity space and things like that in this physical space. Right. But the most important part of it isn't, hey, there's a physical space. Um, and, you know, we have all kinds of events and education. We just did a cyber camp there for teenage kids Very and cool. stuff like that. That's cool that you're getting them involved early. It is. It's really cool. So USF actually hosted it at our location. Okay. Um, so the University of South Florida and did the cyber camp, which was, you know, really awesome. And we're doing a lot of educational events like that. But we've created a guild. And the okay. guild is the part that's important. So the guild has apprentice, journeyman, and master levels. Okay. And it's made up of cybersecurity practitioners from not only in Tampa, at those different levels, but all over. So sure. we have people in DC, we have some people up in Boston, out in Austin, in Colorado, and we're mar we're basically marrying, for lack of a better term, a problem with the right people to solve the problem. Interesting. And the next step will be building out a platform to accommodate that. So right okay. now it's being curated um, by myself, General Dave Scott, um, retired General Dave Scott, uh, is helping the company with the public sector side. Okay. Um, I actually still hold my security clearances as well, but I'm really a private sector person, not a public sector person. Okay. And um, the co-founders actually come from both sides Very of cool, the equation. So it's been pretty interesting to give you, an, we, we actually did two TV interviews okay. um, for the news in the last week about the FaceApp. And so for sure. those who don't know what FaceApp is, it's been around for a while, it was developed by a Russian company. And now there's this big concern that this app that you can take a photo of yourself with and age yourself could cause some potential problems out there in the real world. Sure. And aside from, you know, fake IDs and a million other things that you could do with this interesting app, yeah. um, it's the data that the app collects that is sure. problematic. And so instead of one of us answering the question, we actually pose the problem out to the guild okay. and provided back a cumulative answer to okay. the media. So and what, what's the answer, just out of curiosity? So no, th there is actually potentially a national security issue with, okay. with the application um, and sort of how it could be utilized and, you know, the data that's being harvested. Um, you know, there's certain things we can and can't talk about, right, sure. that, that might cause some problems there. But I think it's very interesting to note that the knowledge that came from the Guild is what really matters. So one of us might be informed, right. but a hundred of us. Right, and being able to provide that cumulative knowledge base. And in the cybersecurity industry, like, it's big and it's, it's happening everywhere. I mean, like, IoT is everywhere. Like, there's cyber issues. I guess the best way to put it to people is if you walk outside the four walls of your home, yeah. you can expect that 100% of everything you do is being recorded in some fashion. For sure. Well, and even in your home in some cases, well, depending home. if you... Like have an Google Alexa or, or Alexa, Google yeah, right. Yes. Like so, it might be everywhere, no matter it where might you be are. Everywhere, yeah. Um, but you're probably on video. Yeah. You're probably on audio. Sure. Your location's being tracked and and fed to people. And one company having one piece of that, it's not really a big deal. But when companies are able to assemble all of that data, uh, aggregate data together, 
that's when it becomes problematic because sure. now your personally identifiable yeah, information and you know yeah. all those other things make you much more susceptible to a cyber crime at the end of the day. So, you know, we kind of looked at it and said, how do we help basically protect our future? Sure. And that's the mission, right? Is to protect our future, both public and private sector. So how are you going about doing that? Because I think a lot of people, I don't even, I think they care, but they don't even know what they're giving these companies. Yeah, so most people don't read their ULA, their no, end user right. license agreement, right? Yeah. They just go like, accept, yeah. or um, I'm going to sign into a new website, and it's just like, use Facebook, use Twitter, use Google, you yeah. Know, yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, well, when you did that, if you didn't read anything, yeah. you basically gave up all your privacy right, right there. Yeah. So I think one of the things is educating the public on how they can turn things on and off. So we're okay. actually doing some classes on that, like that anyone can come into okay. um, and say, okay, before you say yes, right, or if you've already said yes, here's some ways to go back and turn those things off. I mean, if you saw, right, I would have not liked to have been Mark Zuckerberg yesterday. It's not a, not a good day, right? Yep. Um, although the fine seems like it's massive for Facebook, it's not massive, yeah. but shareholders take notice and yeah. they're a public company now. This is not a private company right. um, any longer. It's not the fine to me that's the bigger deal for them. What is far more expensive for Facebook than the fine sure. is now having to go back and retrofit their systems. Yeah, interesting. And I, I've done a little bit of the cybersecurity kind of stuff just on my own as like a hobby and watched yeah. so much. And it is surprising how easy some of that stuff is to do. And like, I'm talking minutes and you're yes. like, wow, I'm here now. Like, uh -huh. right? And so just trying to get, I don't really want to like make people panic, but I also like, you just watch your like immediate friend group that aren't really technical and you're just like, wow, you just did that? Like, do you realize what just happened there? And they're, they're like, no, I just got this, like the face app. It was like, no, I'm not I'm old now. It's like, no, 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 sure, you did that. But like right. all that, and just people don't think about that, right? right. Or so It's interesting because like I use Facebook, but I don't use Facebook on my phone. I won't use the app on my phone. Sure. And um, why is that just for people? It's tracking. Yeah. So it's everything is tracked and the aggregation of that data across Instagram and Snapchat and everything else. So yeah. I don't think that Facebook needs to know every place I've been today. Sure. Um, you know, I don't think they need to know every other website that I've visited. Sure. I don't think they need to know all of those other things. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm selective about that. And I also don't do public and private on Facebook. So people are like, okay. well, why not? I'm like, because... My viewpoint is if I put it on the internet, it's public. Yeah, no matter what, yeah. And so why would I bother with that? It's like, I'm going to put it out Smart. there. Anybody who really wants to find it can find it. I don't care how you market. Okay. So just make it public and then I don't have to worry about it. No, that makes <laughs> sense. No, I, I agree. There's certain, I'm the same way with like Facebook. I use it sporadically, but I don't have it on certain devices because right. I'm like, I don't, you don't need to be on there. Right. And, and I don't need to check it. There. Every five minutes, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> so is there other things people can do like that that yeah, are so, simple to do? Yeah, absolutely. So like with any of the IoT devices, yeah. you can turn off the all-time, the full-time listening. Sure. Right? And it's just in your privacy settings and things like that. So I mean, I have Alexa at my house. Sure. Um, actually, I have like two or three of them. Which is interesting. And um, But I also have a separate network for IoT. Oh, interesting. Okay. So sure. I have a separate router for that. And there's a firewall. Okay. And there's always, I'm a little bit psycho on that. Like everybody doesn't have to go to the extreme, but sure. literally the privacy settings so that it's not always listening, you can turn that off and on. It's pretty straightforward. It comes automatically set to default to being on because it's easier for Amazon to market things to you if it's sure. that way. Right? Yeah. 
No, fair enough. I, I think a lot of people are surprised when they do like a search for something and then that product or whatever they're looking for starts showing up in ads on Instagram and Facebook like almost instantly, right? And it's like, well, think about that, like what the, you're putting out there. <laughs> it was the best, one of the really awesome ones. My sister-in-law okay. reached out to me and um, I'm not going to name the store okay, um, because I don't want to get them in trouble. So I happen to know the store because I'd worked with them in the past. Okay. So, it, so she's like this particular article of clothing keeps following me everywhere I go. Sure. Like literally the exact thing. How is this happening? Yeah. And I and she goes, I didn't take a picture of it when I was in the store. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. I said, okay, do you have the app on your phone? Yes. I'm like, so the app uses geolocation. Does it look like other things that you buy? Yes. I said, okay, so that store maps geolocation to the aisle that you were on. So they actually know where you were on that aisle, what you were looking at. I said, and they profiled that based on your previous purchases. And so now they're targeting you, yeah. probably with a Facebook pixel. Sure. And she's like, that is freaking scary. I'm like, you know, it's marketing. Yeah. I mean, so I said, you know, you didn't do anything. There's nothing you can really do about it. I'm like, you should probably just buy it. And they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but in some cases, like, I would love that. Where it's like, sure. you buy these types of shirts. There's a new style that you'll probably like. Send it to me. But if I choose that, then that's fine. It's scary when it like chooses you, you. and you're like, wait a right. second, what happened, right? I mean, part of marketing like that, the, the targeted marketing is, is beneficial because we as consumers sure. are creatures of habit. So sure. showing me something that looks like things that I have purchased before, in theory, is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, fair but enough. But she works in social media. So she, her thing was, so she runs social media for a hospital. Right. And so for her, she was like, I don't understand how this could happen. Right, and, she, and that was what she was trying to figure out. She's like, I do this for a living. How did this happen? Right. Interesting. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's wild. But we're kind of coming to the end. So let's close with mentioning where people can get more information about you and yeah. all this stuff we talked about today. Because you're Yeah. So you can email me, um, joy at theprowessgroup.com or joy at newmarketpartners.com. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at joy underscore randalls. Perfect. Well, I, again, really appreciate you taking time to Thank be on the show, and we'll That's keep awesome. in touch because we yes. have kept in touch over the I years. Know, so uh, thanks again for doing it, and Thank we'll you. talk soon. Okay. okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.